Episode, not your average operator with me, Paul Miller McFadden. It's uh, been a good week, and uh, we've RV'd as usual to meet you guys here in podcast land and talk about stuff. How you going there, Mike? Hey, Melon, how's it going, brother? Not too bad of a week, kind of weird with some things. The Steelers tied today, which was garbage because it was to an 0 and 8 team, oh, an 0 8 and 1 team. And uh, yeah, it was pretty piss poor, but uh, with real life, we had uh, Veterans Day, all right, the other day, which is on the 11th, which uh, also to uh, some other countries, such as Australia, it's Remembrance Day. And that's, right. uh, that's, that's going to be our uh, topic for today. But other than that, uh, some, you know, I'll leave the stories for the, for the main chunk of the topic. But how about yeah, you, Raph? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good. <laughs> I... Uh... Um, actually it was, a, it's been a lovely weekend, man. Uh, went with the, my, my wife and her family, uh, most of their clan, I, I should say, went to a Bible conference, uh, with this gentleman named, uh, well, the, the pastor's name is Gene Cunningham. And for anyone who's listening, look this dude up. He's pretty, he's lived a pretty extraordinary life. He and his wife, Nancy have, uh, traveled most of the world as, uh, so he was a kind of like, um, Stu Weber, he's pastor of his own church for, you know, I think just over a decade. I want to say it was in Arkansas. And then he started going into the missionary life. So he's been, I mean, I'm talking India, Papua New Guinea, Pakistan, Southeast Asia. I mean, just the Balkans. This dude's been everywhere and he's got some pretty, a uh, lot of places. Uh, I think his first missionary, his first mission, I think, was in Nigeria, if I remember correctly. Um, anyways, Needless to say, he's a pretty extraordinary person, he, is, he and his wife. And Melon, you might find this uh, as a point of interest. He actually has three kids in Australia. So he's got five kids. He lived in Australia as a while, uh, for a while. I think he started a church out there. Uh, and then he left and continued to do missionary work. But his kids ended up staying in Australia. And I think they're, I don't know if they're full-blown citizens, but um, they've been there for, for decades, I think. Yeah, right. Do you know what city they're in? No, um, but I, I could ask him because he's actually, he's good friends with my wife's uh, father. Um, so I just call him Pop. Uh, he, he's been following Gene since like the late 60s, uh, basically when he started going to college. Um, and they just, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's known him ever since. Um, I just found him through like, there's a, some online training that we do for Bible studying. Uh, so I've always... Ever since I married into this family, I've known about Gene Cunningham. I just didn't meet him until then. Here's something else that's really interesting. Do you guys remember that movie Unbroken? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zapparelli or whatever his name is. So Gene's dad is Glenn Cunningham, who was the famous uh, miler that broke the record. It was like just over four minutes that had the severe burning legs that uh, that dude Frank Zapparelli, whatever his name is, talks about as his idol. That's Gene's dad. No, Gene had some really interesting stories about meeting that dude, Frank. I want to say it's Frank Zepparelli. Am I saying that right? The guy from Unbroken? I'd, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, yeah, I have to look it up. Anyways, he just, he brought it up and, you know, just in, in quick conversation that he remembers, you know, seeing him at his house and talking about how 
had it not been for World War II, he, his dad said that Frank would have broken the record because he was just a better runner. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A good weekend, man. 50 years is a lot. One, 60 years now. If he started in the 60s, he's heading towards that. That's a lifetime of service. Yeah, absolutely. He's an, I'm telling you, man, he's a, and I'm, I was thinking about getting him on here, to be honest with you. I know he's got a very busy schedule and I didn't approach him in person, but I'm really contemplating just getting a hold of him via phone and just, you know, before he forgets me and then just seeing if I can bring him on. Cause he really is. I mean, he's got some stories, man. Um, yeah. And he's an absolute fierce warrior for, for, for God. I mean, he, that dude, like, again, he's like a, a Stu Weber. He's just that caliber of, you know, he doesn't mince words. Uh, he's a man's man and uh, he stands his ground and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty refreshing to hear him talk. Yeah. Great. Well, here we had, um, we had a remembrance ball on uh, Thursday evening and it was kids rugby on Thursday. And then it was, uh, it was Michael's, my son's uh, 13th birthday over the weekend. So we, we went off to combat field, which is like a, it's like a, a shooting, skeet shooting range, laser tag, like a, about 20 laser tags. It's a gigantic area. It must be like eight, eight acres, five to eight acres. It's gigantic. And uh, we took him and his, his group of mates and dads and we went over and shot some zombies and shot each other and ate dinner. And we just had a really great time. And there was some poor trigger discipline shown by one member of the team and excellent trigger discipline shown by another, as observed by... As observed by the super coach. Yeah, I, I caught some wind and some pictures of uh, some some really good performance and some uh, some poor performance. I, I I wasn't too I wasn't too satisfied with the product that I you know when I when I put you guys through you know advanced special forces training and laser tag uh, when you're here visiting. <laughs> But uh, room to improve across the board. It, so Ma- Michael had his finger on the trigger in the photo and Cherry had her finger extended on the outside as most Western military people do. Michael claims he was doing the whole letting rounds off into the air, celebrating a la Tio Raff at a wedding. See, I don't know that because here's the deal. Anybody that's had really good firearms training, are going to pick that out immediately. So I don't know if people remember looking at the pictures of the Taliban and the embassy in Kabul, but everybody was looking. They had like straight fingers and stuff. And you're like, yep, that's the ANA right there, the Afghan National Army. Turn right back to there because who trained them? We did. But you pick up little things like that, finger discipline and muzzle awareness, you know. But the hair, the hair was on point. I will say that, Melon. So I think he gets that from you. <laughs> Yeah, well, so we had a we had a great birthday weekend. It was it was just a really nice family weekend for us here, and uh, yeah, been looking forward to seeing you guys. So, Mike, did you want to introduce the topic for this evening? I know it's on the topic of uh, obviously eleven eleven across right across the Western world, Armistice Day at the end of World War One when the guns fell silent and it, be, it began being called Armistice Day, and then. Gradually, the different societies have got slightly different uh, ways of commemorating that day. And in the British Commonwealth and most of Europe, it's, it's referred to as either Armistice or Remembrance Day. And then in the US, it's referred to as Veterans Day. So that's obviously the topic for today. So do you want to run it off and intro it for us? <clears throat> yeah, I would. And, you know, this is our second time 
covering this day. So this is our second year. Kind of cool to think about anyway. But so this title of thank you for your service that we're going to get into, uh, we're going to we're going to kind of go over kind of what it means and what what it really means to some people. Um, you know, with Veterans Day, it's very, very, very cliche. I will say it's kind of cliche um, with just telling a veteran, hey, thank you for your service. And there's nothing much more than that. It's just like, oh, hey, you're a veteran or you see him out or whatever. It's like, hey, thank you for your service. That's that's kind of the deal. I don't know how it is in Australia or if people say that, Melon, or is it a little different? No, people don't tend to say that in Australia. Maybe they're picking it up now from the influence of US films and movies, but it's not really something that's said in Australia. Okay. So they kind of blend, you know, different names, but they kind of blend together. And a common thing with the with in the United States, I think, is you have in-service day, which is people that are in the, in the military currently. You have Memorial Day for those who have fallen. And then you have Veterans Day honoring the people who are alive but have served. Um, they always kind of blend together. All right. So you always all honor the gold stars, every single one of them. And it's always it's never about the person it's it's about who's passed away and, and everything like that's that's kind of how it all blends together so um but just to change it up like i said we want to talk about these two questions um you know what does it mean to a civilian when you tell a veteran thank you for your service and then from the veteran side when you hear that what go, like how do you respond to that how do you take it um, and what, what I kind of want to open up here is the things that a veteran can be going through. And when you tell them, thank you for your service, I think it's, it's very clear that it's coming from a good place. Like there's, there may not know how to say things or anything, but uh, it, it's all there really is. Like there's no extra context there. And, and personally, I think it can change. It can evolve. Uh, which we'll talk about later, but um, I put out a post on Instagram and it was kind of going over. I asked these two questions and I'll just read some of the responses. Uh, So what do you really mean when you, when you say this to a veteran, which is thank you for your service. I got, I guess I don't know what else to say, just trying to be polite. Um, Thank you for giving up everything to serve our country. Thank you for giving up time with family and friends and everything for freedom uh keeping me safe and protecting my freedom right so that was just a couple from uh, some civilians and then there was also some veterans uh to turn it around is what goes through your head when someone says this to you uh one was thanks but you don't even know what i've been through or done uh see uh guilt they feel guilt and uh the last one is I never know what to say back, but I always hesitate and I don't know what to do after that. So there's just a couple of different aspects from, from, from those. Um, what I'm going to read off here is a list that I compiled uh, some from my own and also ones just from other veterans and stuff that I, that I know personally, I didn't look this up or anything. This is just stuff that I see every day at work or the people I'm around. Um, so what a veteran could be going through in that moment 
when you say, hey, thank you for your service, is they've experienced immense stress and they still might be under it. Uh, they've experienced the worst of humanity at more than likely a young age, uh, if you're looking at the average military age. Uh, they could have PTSD, which is, you know, there's so many different forms and fashions of that. They could be struggling with depression. They could be grieving still. Uh, some people grieve the rest of their lives for, for some of the things that they've done or seen. Uh, they could be going through survivor's guilt. Uh, they could be dealing with lost time or missed life occurrences. Uh, they could be going through relationship strains or divorce. Uh, they could have physiological or physical wounds. They could have a real issue with social reintegration. So they're very distant. Uh, a lot of people are distant from people in crowds because of it or public gatherings. And then relatability. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of veterans who can't relate to, to simple aspects of enjoyment or communication or anything anymore. So imagine just real quick being a veteran and having one or many of these uh, topics here, uh, labels, and you have somebody come up to you and say, hey, thank you for your service. I don't know if that puts in a little bit different perspective um, you don't know how to respond, you know, and I, I mean, what do you, what do you guys think about that? Just to kick it off. It's funny. Like I've heard it much more in the last couple of years than I ever used to hear it. And, um, like, I appreciate that the people are really coming from a place of respect and, uh, kindness and, you know, being very polite and, like I've always appreciated it when people have said it, but I've also felt very awkward and not, not really known what to say next, especially given it's not really in our culture. Mm-hmm. However, I will say on um, at the Poppy Ball on Thursday evening, one of the guys uh, who has organized our Remembrance Day stuff out here, Ed Buckland, is a, a former EOD guy, bomb dog specialist. And he, he did a little start where he got all the veterans in the room current and former military to stand and be acknowledged by the remainder of the group. Then he got the wives to stand and then children of veterans and serving members to stand. And it was a really beautiful way to start like a a commemoration meal. And like to be publicly acknowledged like that was something I've not really experienced very often. And I felt, I felt very acknowledged actually. And it was nice to be in, a, in that environment with a group, people that I'd served with, um, other people that I'd not met before. But it was sort of done formally and the person doing it was a veteran and we're in the right space for it. And so I guess I was sort of um, different than having someone come up to you in the street perhaps. Yeah. But I really, felt, I really felt very acknowledged and I really felt like here's a guy who's, who's walked the walk himself and for him to like acknowledge spouses, he knows the burden that has fallen upon his own partner, and you know, like to, to have that acknowledgement. It was it was just a well done event, and that was the most recent one I've I've had. So I felt very acknowledged publicly, and when I'm out and people say to me, I feel awkward. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I remember talking to you uh, yesterday, actually, about it, and you explained it, how they said, you know, we're all, uh, you know, active duty stand up, we're all veterans stand up, we'll all 
spouses of veterans stand up while the children stand up. And it was like, it was very layered, but it was all, he, I thought he did an amazing job by uniting yeah. the room. He united and he finished room. with, he finished with, if you have a really close friend who's a, a veteran or so, serving and those two guys on my table are still sitting and someone leaned over and gave him a spray. What am I not a mate of yours? And so then they all stood up. It was a really nice, it was very, very well done. That's Ed Buckland, sh- shout out, he listens. How about you, Raph? Let's hear it, man. Yeah, so I used to struggle kind of what, uh, kind of what you guys were talking about uh, in the beginning, um, especially when the war on terror started really kicking off and we had both fronts that we were going to, Iraq and Afghanistan. Those are just the two main fights. Obviously, Africa was active, and we know we had a lot of friends uh, in Southeast Asia fighting um, those sects of Al-Qaeda out there. But anyways, all this to say, you know, in the beginning, when it really was a little bit more commonplace for people to find out, oh, you're in the service, or they would see you in your uniform. And, you know, this happened to me a lot in Savannah, Georgia. I There was a Starbucks that I used to love to go to, and it was so close to base that I almost always had my flight suit on. So, of course, they could tell we're in the military. And, man, I'm telling you, it just all the time. And I and I didn't like it. It made me feel uncomfortable. They People would buy our drinks without us even knowing about it. Or, you know, if we broke, if we left uh, the base, the air base, to go get lunch, you know, because we're not going to change out of uniform. We're just going to go grab a quick bite and come back in. Same thing. People would pick up our tab without us knowing. Um, and obviously they didn't want to be known. They, they didn't want it to be made public. They just wanted to, to thank us in that regard. And I, I always, I appreciated that, but I think I stopped trying to glean anything uh, significant out of it. I just thought, you know, it is what it is. Uh, some people really do mean it from the bottom of their heart and I don't know their story. So I'm not going to try to assume that I know their story, right? Like they could be thanking me and they could be the, the son, or they could be the father of of a son who just passed, who wore the uniform, or they could just be someone who's never joined, wanted to join, and they couldn't join because some sort of medical anomaly that wouldn't allow them, you know, like flat feet or something crazy like that. Um, so you just, you don't know where they're coming from. And then there's some people that probably just feel obligated because it's the, you know, status quo or whatever you, so I, again, I don't put a lot of thought into it. It is what it is. I don't try to glean anything from it. Um, every once in a while, maybe a significant moment comes from it where, you know, somebody would thank me and it turns into a conversation and I start to find out that they're, that they do whatever it is. And then I, and then my reply usually is, well, hell, thank you for being you because, you know, it's, it's not just veterans that are holding up our society, right? Our society made up of a lot of things, firefighters, paramedics, teachers, doctors, mothers. I mean, there's just, everyone plays a role. Truck drivers. I mean, all these people can be heroes in their own way. So it, I'm like you guys, I shy away from that you know, whenever they try to like praise veterans, like we're the ultimate hero, I'm like, man, we're, we're just people that chose a profession and some of us stuck around for 20 years. Some of us didn't, you know, wh- whatever. I, but the fact that somebody signed that piece of paper and, and went ahead anyways, you know, with that, with that kind of uh, check, so to speak to cash, which, you know, potentially could be you if, if it's your time. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a brotherhood and I, and I feel fortunate. I really do. I mean, you know, Mike, you know, uh, we lost a lot of people in Afghanistan. And so I, I always look in fondness to the people that I got to serve with. And of course, you know, I get somber when I start thinking about the, the people that we lost, but I still feel like I'm the luckiest person for having served the role that I did and being part of, you know, 
such an amazing force, not just the American force, but just all our coalition services that we got to play with and we got to work with. It was just, it was a special moment in my life. And so whether people thank me or not, it's really insignificant. I'm not saying I don't appreciate it. I just, I don't glean anything dramatic from it. I just, I take it for what it is, face value. And I say, thank you. And if usually I try to thank them back, you know, for, for the kind gesture. And in my heart of hearts, I really just hope that the thank you is that the, that thank you that we're getting is from someone who deserves the protection they've been given abroad. Right. Because um, like I've said this, I think to Tony senior Louise, you know, I think of people like them and I would gladly go overseas any day of the week to ensure people like that continue to live free. Right. Because that's what makes it worth whatever sacrifice, whatever stoic life you're taking on as an infantryman up in the mountains in Afghanistan, Kush mountains or whatever. But yeah, that, that's my kind of two cents on that. Uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree, Raf, And uh, you, you really said it well. You took away half my speaking points, which honestly is a good thing. It is because I know I know we're on the same sheet of music when it comes to that. You know, one thing that you said too, and it kind of goes into it is, uh, you know, just offering my perspective, and uh, you guys can chime in too. But um, the other day, I, I was uh, I was out, and you know, I, I live in a military town, so it's kind of like you know, people kind of know, and um, I look a certain way, so people kind of relate me to what I do, and they're they're usually right, you know, just because everybody knows, and. Uh, I had this, uh, this older gentleman, uh, he's probably like late fifties and he, uh, he offered to buy, buy my lunch for me. And, and, uh, you know, respectfully, I I said, I said, no, I was like, I I really do appreciate it though, but please like, you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, he's like, you're, you're a hero. And, uh, I want, I'd like to buy lunch for you. And, uh, instead I asked him, I said, Hey man, I was like, how about you just have lunch with me? How about that? And he was like maybe five foot six, little, little, like scrawny little old man. But uh, we, we sat and talked for maybe like 30 minutes and it was, it was genuine. And I shared some stories actually about me and you, Raf, and uh, was telling him, you know, hey, I, you know, I do this uh, podcast and this weekend we're actually going to talk about some of this stuff. And I shared a story with him about uh, you and I in Afghanistan flying around and, and, and doing some funny stuff and, uh, you know, snowman uh, jousting on the ATVs and stuff like that. <laughs> he was laughing. He, you know, it was, he was just like, wow, I never thought I'd hear a story like that. And, you know, I, I thought it was all doom and gloom. And I was like, well, there is some of that. It comes with it, but there's also a lot of beautiful things that happen between, uh, you know, brothers and sisters and in, in, in the military and, that's what makes it special. Like you said, that brotherhood and sisterhood and everything else. And, uh, w- when we walked away, he, you know, he was just there and I, I told him, thank you. And I was like, Hey, I, I appreciate it. But, you know, I just, like you said, rap, I, I appreciate you taking the time just to have a good conversation. Like he took time out of his day to sit there and learn about me, what I did and hear some amazing stories, uh, about some of the, you know, my best friends in my life. And that meant that meant so much more to me than just hey, thank you for your service. You know, it's just like being like, oh, hey, happy birthday. You know, and then there's nothing else. It's so drawn out. It's whatever, and it's just like, man, you don't even know what I've been through or what I've seen or you know, amazing things. And I know some people don't want to share all that, but there's so many beautiful things and life lessons that are in that that can really offer, uh, like. I, I think it's part of the responsibility is going through something like that and being able 
to access that stuff in a healthy manner and then share it with people to help them understand gratitude and really how lucky they are to, 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 to be, you know, here in the United States or in a Western country where they have freedoms and, you know, freedom to move about society and, and jobs and just health and everything else. Um, yeah, it, it was, it kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting somebody to come up there and do that, but, um, I like that he was able to go that next layer with me and sit down and just talk. My best yeah. conversations that I've had with veterans, uh, in Australia has normally been on Anzac day, which is April 25, which commemorates the Australian landing in Gallipoli in Turkey in World War One was the first time Australians fought under the Australian flag. And every year you get together on, there's dawn service, marches in, in the capital cities. And when I was young, there was still World War One guys out there. And then there was heaps of World War Two guys and loads of Vietnam and Korea and so on. And then now there's very, very few left of the World War Two uh, guys, the greatest generation. And I really cherish some conversations I have with those guys at bars. You know, they're sort of the different regiments and squadrons and uh, ship ships companies would tend to go to different bars around this, the capital cities and they'd go to the same one every time. And, you know, you sort of wander into the wrong one and, and meet a whole bunch of people that, you know, you're in the wrong color uniform and they're all give you your good banter starts immediately from the old boys who are in their seventies and eighties. And I, I don't ever remember saying that sentence, thank you for your service, because it's not really in the Australian parlance, but just having that moment of just sharing just a yeah, brotherhood, brotherhood, sisterhood moment of just people being able to just immediately share with you and hearing their stories. I really cherish that. And a lot of the time, you know, I was not in a position to, <laughs> I had no stories to share, you know, young melon wet behind the ears in a uniform that didn't really fit yet. You know what I mean? and just being in receive mode and gratitude. And these guys just enjoying being in the company of military personnel again. And like they all get their uniforms on, all the old boys on, on Anzac Day. And so there's, there's that real sense of connection and immediate, you know, you've got that external, it's, it's easy to see and connect when you're all wearing the uniform, you know, and I'll be forever grateful for those moments and just being able to hear from them. And so I really understand what you're saying there, Mike, someone, having that time and just being able to talk person to person and they've got an access, like they've picked who you are and what you do. They've acknowledged you and you've both been able to take the time, which is not all that common in a busy world to be able to sit together and have a meal with a, with a stranger connect over something. It's really beautiful, a beautiful moment, you know, and I cherish those times that that's happened and I've been on the other side of it. Sorry, Raph, you were going to talk at the start and I'll cut you off. Oh, I'm used to it by now, Melon. Um, I was, I was going to say that, uh, well, you, you kind of like what I did to Mike, you took the words out of my mouth. Um, I was just going to say that I think that the, again, I'm not saying this to diminish cause I am grateful for every time someone has bought me a meal without me knowing, or, you know, surprised me with buying a coffee or just saying, thank you for your service. But I think the most special moments for me have always been when I connected with a veteran from another generation. There's just something I can't explain it, but there's a, just this connection that you have with these, even if it's a conversation for 10 seconds, you know, or, you know, let it be five minutes or whatever it is, but just to hear their story and they're so curious about yours. And there's that, you know, not much has to be said to understand that there's a mutual respect. 
And every time I walked away from those moments, that's when I knew that, you know, I, I don't think that the profession that I did was special, right? I just think that the people I was surrounded by were just that amazing. So I feel very fortunate. But when I have these intergenerational um, connections, that's when I know that the job is special because it allowed me to have this connection with this older gentleman who might have fought it in Korea, Vietnam, World War II, whatever. And you're just, and the fact that it's this, you know, we have this sense of brotherhood that I otherwise would not have shared or not even understood. And I, and I think that's, that's where my absolute gratitude comes just from just acknowledging the fact that it's given me the ability to, to have that, that ability, that special conduit between that person and I. Raf, um, it just came to me. Uh, I didn't get to go last year because of COVID and everything because of, you know, uh, all the barriers and safety within hospitals and everything. But uh, it's become a tradition for me to do exactly what you said is to bond with the uh, older generation of veterans uh, that are still around. So uh, one thing that I've started doing in the last couple of years is when I go home to uh, Pittsburgh, I go to the VA uh, in Oakland, which is uh, close to downtown. And uh, I started going there with a guy named Alejandro Villanueva. So I don't know if some people know him. He was a former Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, he's with Baltimore Ravens now, but he was a uh, Bronze Star recipient. He was a captain in the Army Rangers and did three tours to Afghanistan. Um, Al is a stand-up guy and he interacts with the veteran community every chance that he gets and donates and raises money and all that stuff. So shout out to Al. But uh, I went with him um, and we just walked around the VA uh, for a while. And it's everything from World War II to Korea to Vietnam, even the Gulf War now. You know, I mean, those guys are starting to get up there. So uh, and we just pop in each room for 10 to 15 minutes and you know, they, they, they knew Al, you know, everybody knows Al cause he's six foot nine and 310 pounds or whatever. Uh, so everybody knows of him. And then they look at me and they're just like, you know, here are you squid, you know, like this little turd walking in the room and you know, it's good. But, uh, and we just walk in, Hey, what's up? You know, this, this is Mike, this is Al, you know, we're, we're in the, you know, we were in the service. I'm still active duty. You know, what did you do? You know, where are you from? What, where'd you serve? You know, tell us some stories and what was your favorite part? What was, what was some hard stuff? Why, why are you here in the hospital bed? You know, how long have you been in here for? Are the nurses taking care of you? And it was about 15, 20 minutes per room. And um, one of the best stories that I have from that is from uh, one of the nurses, the head nurse said, Hey, please go to room uh, 303. And uh, this veteran just got, um, uh, uh, stage four cancer. And it was related to a lot of different stuff, uh, particularly from Vietnam with Agent Orange. And he had a lot of um, lung issues and everything else, but basically th this just spread through his body. So, um, and I think it was like really, really bad in his colon. So he had colon cancer. And uh, so I walked in, he was on the phone in a little gown on the other side of the room, but his other buddy was an, ar was an army airborne guy from Korea. And I, I walked in and he just looked at me like he's just ready to pound me into the ground, this old salty dude. Uh, and I just asked him, I was like, hey, what's what's up, man? How are you? And he was like, just kind of looking at me like, who are you? And then I, I introduced myself and, who, you know, what I did. And he started kind of opening up a little bit. And we were talking about Korea and the Army. And he was starting to share some boot camp stories and the airborne stories and then Korea. 
And you could just see him starting to relax and, and the, the, the flow was really going in the room between him and I, and I was very open to it too. And it was about 45 minutes into this conversation. I didn't want to leave the room. Um, we were talking about Vietnam and uh, the, the veteran came over and he was in the Brownwater Navy. So small water boats used to drop off special operations guys way up into North Vietnam and the Mekong Delta and stuff. And um, he sat down and he just came over and I just patted him on his knee like, hey, welcome to the conversation, man. I didn't acknowledge his cancer or anything. He, I was just, hey, be in this moment. And we talked for another two hours about life, love, loss, service, uh, everything. And it felt like I've known them for 30 years, exactly what you said, Raph. And there was such a connection. You know, I'm about to turn 34. They were in their 70s and 80s. And I just connected with them through that, that brotherhood, whatever that is that you were mentioned, Raph. And the best thing that I got from that whole conversation is when I went to leave, the veteran that had cancer, he's like, can I just hug you and shake your hand? And I was like, yeah, of course. You know, so I gave him a big hug and he goes, you know, for the last two hours, in this conversation, I completely forgot it, that I had cancer. And that just, that made it all the better. Like I, I couldn't believe it, but able to have that effect. I just, I went there because, it, you know, we didn't want these guys to feel alone on Thanksgiving because many of their families don't visit them. And they're just laying in those hospital beds for months or years. And they just, go away and they have some of the best stories you'll ever hear. You'll ever hear hands down amazing things that aren't in any books or movies or anything. And all they want to do is just be remembered and share some of their stories and know that they're not forgotten. And, and, you know, all that, man, it just, you know, so needless to say this Thanksgiving, I will be there in Oakland at the VA visiting and making my rounds and, having those amazing conversations with veterans and letting them know. And I'll probably be there for, for Christmas as well with some, uh, some gifts from old Mike. You're a good man, Mike. That's, um, that's big. Like I, one of the things is I think they, everyone who has served has an access to share and understand and know you're being understood with other personnel, whether they're serving or veterans. And so I think that there are a lot of cases where people share in, in a situation like that with a young man, things that they might not have ever told their own family, just because they know that you understand that you've already got an access to, to hear what they're saying. And, and also just that, you know, you being there will trigger memories that they're happy to, to bring up, you know, that those things don't come to the fore when they're talking with family and you know, all those normal things that happen inside families can just be the things that come up, negative things in the space. Yeah. And, you know, I, knew, I walked away with a new perspective as well. And, you know, a lot of people would say, why would, it, why would active duty people go and visit old veterans in the hospital? Like, especially during Thanksgiving, like, do you have better stuff to do? Like, yeah, we're all in the military or we were like, I get it, you know, whatever. I would be a fool an absolute fool if I didn't think in another 40, 50 years, God willing, inshallah, right? That that's probably going to be me. 
I'm going to be at the VA in the hospital bed one day and how much it would mean to me if some young patriotic American that, that gets it, military or not, came, came and just wanted to sit down and talk with me when I'm sitting in a room alone on a holiday when nobody's visiting me and just wants to come in for a couple minutes and just say, hey, you're not forgotten. I appreciate you. I loved your stories. Um, and thank you for sharing some with me. That's history. That's sharing history with the next generation, making sure they understand what's, uh, you know, I told Melon the other day, I said, you know, let us not forget what has been asked of us and what has been given. And that's, that's very important to know uh, from, from the veteran community. Uh, so I would be a fool if I didn't think that, you know, and hopefully one day I'll be in that bed and somebody else will walk in and do the same for me. Hey, I think you're right in that regard. I actually could see you in that bed by yourself because I'm not going to visit you. So I think that's a safe assumption. Um, but I, I also think that it's kind of interesting, right, that this um, just having this military service allows us to transcend these generations in this the parlance of today versus the parlance of. And I don't know what it is, but because even in the military, the, the language changes a little bit, although it's usually just a bunch of expletives. I'm sure that's universal. I'm sure it's always been universal. You know what I mean? Like, I, is that is that what it is? That that we just kind of uh, go back to just being seven-year-olds with guns? Um, I, I don't know. But I, I just, every time I think about that, I just think it's such a special, I think that's one of the benefits that I didn't expect when I, enli- when I joined, right? When I enlisted, I didn't think that I would have access, kind of like what Mellon said, to not just my generation but the generation before me and as i get older um you know the generation that's going to be uh kind of behind me sort of to speak it's just i don't know i think it's it's really neat man it's definitely something special that uh i think i think what it's something that we get uh veterans can get triggered i i think that's a good word for it when you see that get disrespected um you know, I'm, I'm not getting political and we all know that, you know, there's a whole term triggered and snowflakes and every words hurt, whatever, you know, that's different. But when you see that that bond uh, get threatened, you know, like it's it kind of goes back like all, all the services make fun of each other. And, you know, we, we rip on each other constantly and the expletives and you know, whatever. But you see anybody outside of that gang up or say one thing wrong that threatens that that bond that relationship that meaningfulness uh you know you're getting a, a pack of wild wolves unleashed on your ass and uh you know i think i think that's why people get really amped up sometimes is because they're kind of like what's your angle and, and like why are you asking me this like you're not part of this so don't even bring it up you know because i i think they're so defensive uh about it for how special it is go ahead ref I was just going to say that for me, it's completely the opposite. I actually get more offended or I actually get, um, yeah, I would say I'd get offended when I see a veteran kind of not holding up the standard and kind of acting like a turd. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Like that offends me more than if someone who's never served was attacking the, because I, they don't know any better. Like people that have never served don't understand the, you know, the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the going, the ins and outs of, so because you, they could assume they do because they watch these videos and they watch movies and, you know, 
all these YouTube videos on what it's like to be in the service, but that's not the same thing as actually being in the service. But when I actually see a veteran who's acting like a complete moron, that offends me more than anything, because I think that you're discrediting the people that have kind of raised the bar for all of us, right? I Listen, I, I don't deserve a book written about me. I don't deserve a movie written about me, but I know that I've met people that have, that legitimately deserve their stories need to be told, but they're so damn humble, they're, they'll never go there. But I think of people like that. Um, uh, my buddy Blake, and I know I talked to you guys about him too, two silver stars, and I hope he never listens because he'll murder me for saying this out loud. But I mean, this is a guy who's literally has had 14 de- or something like a 14 deployments um, in a you know special operations unit. I mean, he his entire adult life has, has been spent serving overseas. And so anyways, I, I, the point is when I see people inside the ranks disrespecting the brotherhood, I think of guys like that and I, that's when I start to get hot. That, that's when I really do get offended. So maybe this is a bit of a, maybe this is a point for our community, you know, building on some of the episodes we've done recently about all the mirrors and passion and identity about that ability to look at yourself and think, am I upholding that ethos and am, am I wearing that position of being a veteran in a way that does bring credit upon it? Yeah. And honestly, that's a big, that's a big question to think, well, am, I, am so, I living up to that? So there's something I, I was thinking about leading up to this episode and I thought, you know, what is it? you know, what it is, like we talked about, what does it mean to be a veteran and how does it feel when somebody says, thank you for your service? And when I was thinking, when I was pondering about what it means to be a veteran, I'm not saying I'm Seneca and I'm not saying I'm like the ultimate stoic, but I think there is a level of stoicism that comes with military service. Like, you know, that you're going to find yourselves in situations that you're not going to, that you're not going to want to be in. Right. Um, I'm not saying I lived the grunt life. I'm not living in a foxhole. I have had some miserable moments. Seer school comes to mind almost immediately. Some of our, you know, trying to get overseas was a pretty miserable experience. Um, and that's something that a lot of us can relate to. So I think what, where I was going with this is I think I find it fascinating just talking to Pat, the founder of uh, Operation Once in a Lifetime, he talk, you know, because he shared a lot of the struggles that a lot of veterans face once they leave military service. And I just, I think it's interesting that while we're in the service, we have this kind of ethos that Mel is talking about where it's almost like a Stoics ethos. Like we expect it to be shitty, but we're going to rise above it. And then somehow some people manage to lose that when they leave the service and then they lose themselves altogether. And I don't know why that happens. I mean, this is for another episode. I'm really just thinking out loud. Um, But I find that interesting, right? That in the military, we, we do kind of adopt the Stoicism and then once you get out, some people just completely just, as Mel likes to say, we fuck it away and then just get lost. And I don't know. Yeah. Mike. Well, I would like to throw out probably the biggest point that comes to mind is holding the line of accountability and defending it. Because when you're, when you're in it, you're in it and there's no avoiding it, you know? So it's like, Hey man, I need you to, focus here. I don't need, like, don't be talking like that. Don't go out and be saying that stuff. It has nothing to do. Like it's, it's about this circle right now and what we're doing in the mission, right. And taking care of each other. Like that's what matters when you don't have that anymore. Who's going to hold you accountable, but you, you know, that's when it goes back to 
you know, your, your values and being humble and just being grateful that you were ever even able to put on that uniform and have it a, whatever you did, but you were part of it, you know, like some people, I mean, look, World War II, we talked about after Pearl Harbor, I'd have to look up the numbers, but it was crazy how many people tried, you know, enlisting in the military and they weren't physically able to, and they committed suicide because they couldn't be part of the response of something great with that amount of weight attached to it, you know, and it's just something you don't take for granted or, you know, just because you take off your uniform one day doesn't mean that, you know, that that code and that honor and everything else that follows with it just goes away with the cloth, you know, and, and, and I'm very hard about that, you know, like I, I want to finish my job and move on to the next part of my life and I'll be grateful and look back. But like I said, man, it doesn't, it's not who I am, but you know, I, I'll always carry with what it taught me and those memories and stuff with me. And I'll, I'll honor it because it's not mine entirely, right? They're my memories and my experiences, but military, the military was here before I was born. It'll be here after I'm dead. And, and just, you know, it's not mine. I was just part of it for a, a point in time. And now, it, you know, it'll go on to the next generation, you know, but it's not mine to sell. It's not mine to exploit, you know, anything like that. It's just the right thing to do for me. I know we're getting close to running out of time. So I just wanted to say my only real regret is not having been able to join Space Force. That's all, that's all I wanted. <laughs> well, you are a space cadet. I'll tell you that much. So you're halfway there, brother. But <laughs> So, um, well, hey, uh, yeah, I guess it's a good spot to, to, to end up on this, you know, and just to, you know, recap real quick. Thank you for your service. Really think about that and think about some of the things that we that we talked about as far as maybe what that veteran's going through. And, uh, you know, for me, I have I, I like these challenges. I've, I've got some feedback about previous ones. So I, I really just want to put out a couple of challenges to people, you know, uh, after listening to this episode, what can you do different next time you approach a veteran instead of saying thank you for your service? How can you approach it a different way that adds meaning? And uh, maybe you can walk away a little bit better of a person by doing it. Um, and then again, also try to imagine being in their shoes uh, the best you can and ask yourself, how would you want to be approached. Okay. Now I know people are like, Oh, I've never experienced that. And you know, what I do is nothing. No, no, put that aside, you know, whatever, just really try to put yourself in their shoes and be like, if I came up and said this to you, how would I probably feel? You're probably not too far off for the majority. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, get out, find some veterans. Um, and sit down and have that conversation. You know, they, they, there's a lot of them out there. I love to talk or, you know what, they need to talk. And uh, when they see somebody genuinely coming up and taking their time to spend with them, because those veterans gave up a lot of their time for you. So at least take 10 to 15 minutes and sit down and give them some of your time to show them your appreciation, learn something, share stories, and uh, it also maybe helped them know that their sacrifice was worth it because of the good people that you are. Go ahead. Very Noah. quickly, very quickly. What, what are some good questions people have asked to start questions for me? Like, you know, which units have you been with and where, where have you been are two really good 
entry questions you can just ask, you could ask in a queue in a coffee shop you know what i mean yeah yeah th- that's good um hey just wondering you know after those and you keep going like it's always good to keep going alert uh did you serve what conflict did you serve in or did you serve in conflict were you during uh peacetime you know oh okay hey you're part of this uh how do you feel about that you know uh did you know anybody else to serve any do you have don't ask about how many people they killed okay there's people that do that ask them a fun story hey what was your funniest story that you had from there or something you know like bill toller oh, i played baseball in korea right yeah. he didn't he didn't say that he saved 15 other marines and received the silver star you know, you know that's not what he wanted to talk about he wanted to share the fun stories of playing baseball and striking a co out hitting a home run, you know, like there's a lot of those in there too. So make sure you ask the right questions. Yeah, good one. And just a, just a quick one. Remember guys, we've got our little challenge we're running uh, to push our reviews and ratings up. So we're looking for 50 reviews and hundred ratings and we're trying to really widen our social media footprint to get our message out and help as many people as possible. So we really appreciate uh, assistance with all of that. So, Veterans Day, Remembrance Day, it's always a, uh, a good opportunity to pause and reflect. And I think as we're trying to leave you guys with, it's a good opportunity to connect. So see if you can't do that over the next week. And until then, we'll see you next time.